0: So hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb. Again, I'm not joined here by my co-host, Jeff Bears. I might have to suspend him for this one because we have such a great interview coming up. We are going to be talking here with best-selling author Tasca Lee. She is going to be speaking about her latest book, A Single Light, which is the second book in the Line Between, in the Line Between series because the first book came out was called uh, The Line Between. I uh, want to remind everybody here that we are brought to you by Kensington Books. So make sure you do visit Kensington Books for all your information on all their stuff and what they got going on. And also suspensemagazine.com for all of our fun stuff. So got a lot of fun things for you out there. But let's waste no time and let's get right here to our guest. So Tosca, thank you so much for coming on. How you doing?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me back. I must not have been...
0: been too bad last time if you had me back, so. No, and, what, either <laughs> much, hey, and for you to say yes again, we must have been okay.
1: <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so
0: we had some great conversation in New York. We were at Thriller Fest and, you know, the single mm-hmm. light where, you know, you were, it, it was out or it wasn't out, but, you know, you were kind of talking about it and doing all the fun yep. promotional things for it. But now let's get a little bit
1: deeper into it. So tell everybody about what you
0: got going on here.
1: Okay, well, A Single Light is the sequel to The Line Between, and you want me to kind of catch you up on the story so yeah, far yeah. a little bit without any spoilers?
0: Well, you know, you can spoil as much as you want. You're the author. I ain't spoiling nothing because I don't want to get hate mail,
1: but if you want to spoil, you go right ahead. <laughs> no, I'm not going to spoil it for, uh, at all, but um, so into The Line Between, that, what has Happened at the beginning of that book is the main character, who is a young woman named Winter Roth, has been kicked out of a doomsday cult um, in Iowa, and she's starting over um, in a secular world that she's been taught to regard as evil. And so just as she's doing that, this pandemic that um, came out of the melting permafrost in Alaska. Well, the disease that c- came out of the melting permafrost has become a pandemic and it's sweeping down across the U.S. And so, as it gets worse and worse to winter, this seems to be a lot like the apocalypse that she's always been told to fear. And so, that's kind of where we start off the line between and her adventures. Uh, Well, she ends up with a set of medical samples that she has to get two states over in the middle of this terrible situation, and as the grid goes out and everything's falling apart. So A Single Light um, picks up right where the line between leaves off and is the continuing adventures, and um, basically things are just getting a lot worse, (laughs) and I can tell you that um, A Single Light also has one of my favorite new characters I've ever written uh, in any of my books, and so I'm very excited um, to well, who is this book in the hands. His name's Otto, Otto, and Otto's a little strange, and he's also mute, um, but he's not at a loss for, con- or for words or communication at all, and I just love him.
0: And what a great name that is. That's my middle name.
1: Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otto?
0: Otto is my no. middle name. I am a John Otto Rob.
1: Ah, that is so awesome! You know, and Otto is the last name of one of my fans. And when I'm populating books with characters, I lean heavily on, on my fans who offer up their names. And so, um, yeah, it's really fun for me to do it that way. So that's really German, cool. It is. It's like a great
0: German name,
1: isn't it? Yes. Yes, <laughs> and very like, uh, like regal. I think there were kings or empires or emperors or something called Otto, weren't there? I think Oh, warm. yeah,
0: like Otto von Bismarck. I mean, of course, yeah, back in the yeah. day, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yep.
1: there
0: go. Now, when you talk cults and you talk, you, and we've all seen these things on TV. You know, we've all seen mm-hmm. these, these kind of cults, and we've all seen kind of how they are and what they are. So when you're having to explore a character that – is caught up in this and then get out, and then they have to see the world for the first time and have preconceived notions, but then they start realizing that maybe things aren't what they seemed when they were taught. How is that for the author to kind of have to get that dynamic out, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, emotionally uh, through the character's, you know, eyes?
1: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, and I've watched watched shows and I've done research on, you know, what it's like for people who leave – cults are extreme religious groups and it's really fascinating for me as an author research-wise but i think even though most of us haven't been in a cult and then left it to rejoin the secular world i think that you know there's a lot that we can all identify with as far as feeling like we're on the outside or we don't fit in or everything else is up to speed on all this other stuff and doing all these cool things that we don't understand and so I think from that perspective, um, that may be why it's so interesting because um, we've all felt that way to some degree, maybe not quite that much, but to some degree or another.
0: True, absolutely. And yeah. and we've all and we've all kind of, I think, you know, of course not at this level, but we've all kind of been, I guess, in those realms where you've been told something and then you actually experience it and you're like, well, that's not what it was. You know, that's, that's kind of different. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. we've all had those. Yeah.
1: We've all had that and then we've also had the well I was told this I don't think it's true but wait a minute who's crazy them or me and I right. think that there are those situations too where it's like okay am I am I just wrong or am I losing it here or you know this this is off kilter but I'm not sure if it's me or the other situation
0: Right and I think that that's the depth of the characters that you were able to kind of create and, you know, the line between. And now that you're kind of even further depth into a single light. Mm-hmm. And now that you, like you just said, you're, you're famous or you're your favorite character now, Otto. Yeah, and Otto. so when you kind of sat back down to figure out a single light, did you already have the idea that what book two was going to be when you started the series or after the line between you were like, well, shit, throw out that idea. Now I got to go this way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had no idea and this is this is the second time I've done this to myself. The first was when I wrote The Progeny and then it was time to start this the, the follow up, the sequel, uh, Firstborn and in that case I had to take down an entire cabal and it was like, well, h- how is this going to work? So I kind of I don't know, it would be smart to know the whole thing from the get go when I start, but but I don't. So Maybe I'll learn my lesson one of these days. But I think that's part of the fun, too, you know, of sitting down and figuring out, how do I get myself out of this corner now?
0: Right. You know? And, you know, and, yeah. and one of our good friends, Stephen James, always says, write yourself I in a corner because gonna... that's where you find the ideas.
1: <laughs> yep. I, I was just going to say, Stephen James would be really proud of me. I mean, I do outline, so when I sit down to do it, I have to outline. I've, I've learned this about myself. but But I guess to some extent, you know, I'm at least – enhancing the second half of it in that
0: fashion yeah well you know and i know stephen doesn't outline but he still do because you always have that outline in your head you always have the idea that you know which way you're going to go now when you start writing Mm -hmm. things might change but you still have the idea that you're like okay i love this character i want to do this or this is a really great ending now how do i kind of work myself to get there and take the reader and do i want to kind of make it known or do i want to make it a surprise and you know you have all these ideas kind of running through your head but then the story kind of lends you to how it's going to happen. But you always still have an outline.
1: Well, I always have to have a little bit. And I do yeah. adhere to the three act structure. That's just something that I find works really well for me. And, you know, readers are comfortable with that. And so I always have that. But like you said, stuff always happens. I mean, there's a big mm-hmm. difference between 30,000 feet in the air and boots on the ground so and once you're down there and you know running through the alleys and the back streets of the story you know things that you didn't plan for just crop up sometimes and yeah and I love that and that's the kind of scary part and and uh, disorienting but also super fun part I think of writing.
0: Did you have like yeah, I mean, we know you have a favorite character now, but do you have like a favorite scene that when you kinda of wrote it and you kinda of went back and you're like, Damn, that's a good one
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of those and I have a couple, of, you know, that I did where I was like, Where did that come from? Or yeah. what is wrong with me that, that I wanted that I want to do this this idea or do this? Do you thing start and you here? start
0: questioning your you start questioning yourself like <laughs> am I really that screwed up in the head?
1: <laughs> That's right. Do I need to seek help here? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. So do
0: you have, do you have a certain scene though that that kind of like hits you with in this book?
1: There's, there's a couple scenes up at the front where, you know, there's one involving a corpse and there's one involving an execution that I was like, I just really like this. So, um, that was kind of fun. And, um, yeah, I've got a couple later on that are, there's one that's pretty special and I can't even talk about it because it'll give it away, but um, it's a, it, it's a scene that happens out in the countryside and actually one of the other fun things about this book for me is I live in Nebraska and 85% of this book takes place in Nebraska, mm-hmm. so um, that's really fun. That's I've never been able to do that with a series or any other book that I've done before other than the line between which half of it's here. So um, I'd say that's, that's really fun. But yeah, there's a, there's a scene in the middle. It involves Otto. I can't talk about it. <laughs> oh, Poor Otto. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Otto. I, I love Otto. He's, he's the only character I, I've ever seen that can have a full on argument without talking. So um, he was, he was a blast to write Loved him. Yeah. Nice. No.
0: Yeah. So, no, when when you're thinking about you know going down and writing again, what is the biggest thing that that draws you back is it Is it the characters you want to explore? Is it a plot line you want to explore? You know when you start thinking about because like like a brand new series like when you started thinking about the line between that you were going to do this, what was the thing that that got you to that computer that wanted to, that you wanted to get this out? What was your first kinds of thoughts when when writing this book Money. <laughs> <laughs> okay besides starvation right, and food
1: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> i mean i write for a living so there's always that kind of like okay what's next because i really want to eat tomorrow right so there's always that um for me you know even when i'm when i'm pitching books i always start not so much with a plot but just a premise. So. For the line between, you know, I had this list of premises that I took to my publisher, and one was this idea of a disease coming out of the melting permafrost, and another one was this idea of a girl starting over after leaving a cult. And it was actually my publisher who said, why don't you take those two and combine them? And I was like, what are you on? But then oh. I did it, and I think it worked out. Mm-hmm. So it's usually a premise. And so for me right now, um, I've got a couple of premises that just – they sound fun enough and interesting enough to invest a year or more of my life in, because that's what it, what it amounts to. I mean, are you willing to spend a year camped out on that premise, fleshing it out and then probably the rest of your professional career talking about it when people ask questions about it, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're married to these books for a really long time. So forever. Um, I th- yeah. Forever. Basically. So I think it just- yeah, and it just has to do with, you know, is this interesting enough to, to put that much time into? So, now, and, you said and, and if something it's that not, was, then I don't do it.
0: And you, you said know? something that was really eye-opening, I think, to maybe fans that don't quite understand that. You said, like, your publisher was the one that said, why don't you do something like this? I think a lot of fans just think that an author just starts writing and then you submit it into your publisher, and they're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. or, you know, edit it or whatnot. But I think that by you saying, hey you know what i you know my publisher is the one who's like no i don't like that idea i don't like that okay i like that idea that yeah that that dynamic goes on
1: oh it totally goes on and you know even when so in this case i had two more books left in my contract and they became the line between and a single light and so you know even when the publisher says yeah we want the next you know four or five tuscany books that doesn't give you complete carte blanche to just go do whatever it's it's always a negotiation as far as okay what do you think about this because they have to speak into the branding and you know how well they think they can market it and and sell it and they definitely speak into other stuff too like the title things like that so
0: yeah
1: how much how much how much
0: do you have like cover wise and stuff like that
1: Um, You know, I get approval and I get to speak into it and um, I have to say the line between and a single light, these are the only covers I've ever had where they were like, what about this? And I was like, change nothing. So (laughs) that's, usually that's that doesn't ever happen. It's usually kind of a, eh, you know, to the point where I'm, these days I'm kind of scared when they're like, we have your cover club. And I'm like, oh, no. And, it kind of, you know, my heart rate spikes and I feel a little ill because I'm always, you know, like, oh, no, here it comes. But, you know, I really liked these. But, you know, the final, final decision is up to the publisher. I just get, you know, to be consulted. So mm-hmm. on that, yeah. know, yeah, and
0: my wife and I are having a conversation because she's a huge apocalyptic fan. She loves apocalyptic stuff because mm-hmm. she likes it when you guys don't have to follow rules. Is that, yeah. do you feel the same way? Like when you're creating your own kind of world, apocalyptic things, you don't have to follow the normal everyday kind of rules. You get to like make up your own shit.
1: Well, I think there's some of that, but I think the thing that really appeals to me about the whole apocalyptic situation is that, you know, life is so complicated and there's so many details and there's so much noise and technology and all this stuff. And when you're in an apocalyptic story, all that falls away because there is only yep. one thing going on, and that is survival. And life becomes very simple. And I think that's, that's what I like about it. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I, there's nothing more, I think, boring than when you read books of convenience. Like, the main character are like, my gosh, I really wish we would find out who this person is. And then you have somebody in the background and say, well, I just Googled them, and they're standing right there. And you're like, oh, yeah. well, let's go get them. You know what I mean? It's like there's no – they don't have to work at it anymore. It's like everything is just, like, so convenient. No.
1: Everything's, everything's convenient. Everything's so high-tech. And, you know, when you're, when you're in the apocalyptic story genre – The stakes are quite high. I mean, it's life or death. It's the end of the world or the survival of the world or of the human race. And, you know, it doesn't really get much higher than that. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it kind of puts everything in black and white. And, you know, that's – I don't know why I think that's fun. I just think that's kind of fun. (laughs)
0: Well, I think the other thing and the one thing that you kind of notice, uh, you know, kind of about the characters is that you can never really fully trust anybody because – they want to survive, too, and therefore, if, if they have the chance, if it's you or them, they're probably going to pick themselves. So yeah. you always have that in the background. Like, there's always that chance that they could just turn on you to save, their moment, to save themselves. So when you're kind of having to kind of have that in the background and, and figuring out that dynamic, do you think about those things when you're writing, or you just kind of let oh, them yeah. happen? Yeah? Yeah?
1: I think about them, you know, but I find that the they kind of come up on their own as you're moving I mean, yeah. your character through the thing. Because, but but it's true. All those questions of like a relative morality and that kind of thing. Those are those all come up in those situations. And I mean, I think that's why, you know, take The Walking Dead for example. I think, you know, apart from the fact that the writers were so smart in making it so character-based. Um, I think that's kind of the fascination is the relative morality and the fact that, you know, we all become monsters in situations like that.
0: Yeah. And there's no real threat of going to jail or anything like that because.
1: No. Yeah. No. Uh, Might makes right in those situations. And so, you know, I I think an internal struggle or an internal, you know, conflict is simply how do you stay a good person when you're, when you're in a, a situation where your survival's at stake, so
0: now, yeah. how many books do you see in the series?
1: This is just the two, so just it's the just, two, so people will be. Is this is a finish. You're yes, finishing is, it. It's done. It's done. But that said, it is in development for TV. So I mean, if which can mean you know that that can mean a lot or nothing, you know, because that it could get made or it could not. So if it were to get made and if there were, you know, like demand for another one, I would certainly find a way to do it Mm -hmm. because, I, you know, I love the main character, Winter Ross. Um, The readers have really enjoyed her, and I I would love to keep going with her. But for now, just two.
0: Now, are you revealing something on the show? Is somebody looking at this for TV, movie, maybe?
1: Um, Well, we have our showrunner. And he is fabulous, um, and he's he's working on the materials. We're getting ready to go pitch right now, so. Um, so you don't have a
0: home it. yet, but you got like somebody who's rocking and rolling who wants to get it someplace.
1: Oh, yeah. We, we've we got our production team of Radar Pictures and Ed Burns' Marlboro... Marlboro? I can never say that word. Marlboro <laughs> Road. You don't production. smoke. Marlboro. And the, yeah, you don't we've smoke. got Glenn Whitman, who's our showrunner um, and writer, and he wrote for The um, the Strain and mm, yes. the Fringe. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's brilliant. I mean, he's awesome. So really super excited and um, he's he's killing it. So i um, really, really excited to go see what happens with these pitch meetings.
0: Nice. Now, yeah. now the one thing, and, and now the one thing also that, because you love to explore, and, we are, and you're in Thriller Fest, I never had a chance to really talk to you, but you, you mentioned this series, The Descendants of the House of Bathory. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, would, when they first see that, they'll be like, The House of Bathory. And a lot of people don't realize that who Elizabeth Bathory is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if people understand exactly what kind of an evil woman that, what, that she was and, and how she was. But what was the draw to you to kind of want to write about her, from the, aside from the simple fact that she, you know, killed young women and thought that bathing <laughs> in their blood would keep her younger? What was also you know, like to explore that?
1: Okay, well, okay, so the books that you're talking about are The Progeny and Firstborn, mm-hmm. and the mythology, it's a, it's a current thriller series, but the mythology behind it, because it's about her descendants, is based on this true historical figure, Elizabeth Bathroy, who, according to legend, bathed in the blood of virgins to stay young, um, and she was purported to have killed, like, some 600 and some young women. So she's the most prolific female serial killer of all time. So... Yep. Yeah, so what prompted me was, I had heard of her, actually, um, before, but it was a fan who suggested it and said, why don't you write something about Elizabeth Bathory sometime? And I was like, you know, I have to look that up. That sounds kind of familiar. So I looked her up, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's that chick that yeah, killed all the other chicks. crazy chick. Yeah, and so I put it in the idea file, and, you know, at that point, I, I had done a bunch of historical books before, and I didn't want to do another one um so i just kind of used her as the basis and i actually went to hungary and i went and saw the castle where she was walled up and spent her last i think four years of her life until she died and um i i went all over croatia and in hungary and austria and all these different places that were involved in her story Mm -hmm. and through the (laughs) this is crazy through the process of writing that book um, I also learned that I am distantly related to her. So maybe it was fate.
0: And this interview is over. No.
1: <laughs> Watch out, you women.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, wow, that that's kind of cool. It, it, yeah, well, kind of. You know, this but this kind of crazy stuff always happens. It's kind of like when I was writing The Line Between, and it, it's about this disease that recombines with influenza A, during a terrible flu year and all this stuff, and then I, you know, I'm writing it, and then I catch influenza A while I'm working on it, and there's always stuff like that that happens. So I think maybe I should write a story about a novelist who wins the lottery. I was just around. gonna say
0: you need to write some about someone who wins a lottery, and then you're, and you're yep. done.
1: Yep, and then I'd be like, yep, I'm, I, that's it. <laughs> Mic drop.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, you know, because you have written, I mean, so many different styles. I mean, you wrote a couple books with Ted Decker. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you have so many different styles to you. What genre would you say you write in?
1: You know, um, I'm kind of a, I consider myself kind of a speculative writer. And be, and that, in general, that generally means like, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, but um, there's always kind of a speculative nature to my books, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's this thing about the these kind of mythological descendants of this evil woman or even going back in history because, you know, history, no matter how much research you do and no matter, you know, how much you know for sure, there's always this, this you know, connecting the dots and filling in the blanks and, and so, you know, as, I think that's kind of the thread that connects all of my books, as far as you know, what you know brings the dystopian ones and the historical ones all together. Yeah, I get you. Yeah.
0: So yeah. now, where so where's the best place for everyone to find out about all of your information? Is it just ToscaLee dot com?
1: ToscaLee dot com, and then I'm on all the social media too. So uh, are you pretty active a- on them? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I'm more active on, I'd say, Instagram and Facebook and sometimes Twitter. I'm sure. not so good at Snapchat. I think I'm not the right generation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Snapchat I have person. it, but I'm horrible at it. So. I'm not even an
0: Instagram yeah. person.
1: It's fun. I, I like Instagram, and there's a, an awesome – they call it Bookstagram. There's an awesome Bookstagram community on there where they, you know – they are book fanatics and they are amazing readers. So that's why I'm there.
0: Oh, ah, I have to look into that one. Cause I always, cause we have a, an Instagram and I, and I never post to it like my wife will for certain, but I always, I'm like, do I really, does anybody really care about this picture? And I'm like, okay, if it was me, what I care about, I'm like, no. So then I wouldn't do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have that too. You know, and and there are times I'm like, you know, there's nothing exciting going on in my life, but I know, you know and that's what I'm, Taking pictures of I've got a giant German Shepherd. He's like more dire wolf than German Shepherd, I think. So yeah. that's when I post pictures of him or and but people like it. I I don't know if it's because he's a giant German Shepherd or it's interesting to look into other people's lives, but I, you know? I don't know. I've
0: never figured that out. <laughs> I guess. You know, I guess yeah. so and I just don't really follow the Instagram thing. I I don't know. I mean it's Facebook but once is too you much
1: get on there, and you follow some people, and then you're like, oh, I don't know. What should I post? Well, let's see what other people are doing. And then you just find yourself, like, you know, Posting dinner later. pictures. Yeah, and you're like, oh, what did they eat? And what are they reading? And uh, look at that cute pair of shoes that girl bought her. Oh, you know? It's like, the, and then all of a sudden, all this time has gone by, and you're like, what did I just do? What, yeah. You know, yeah.
0: That was me on YouTube with Funny Cat Videos.
1: Uh, I've done that too. Nothing chews you videos. up
0: more than a funny cat video when you're having a down day.
1: I like the cats being assholes one. <laughs> yeah, any of the. Fun, just, I love just cats being cats. Yeah, just cats being yeah. mean because they kind of are, and then funny animal ones, mm-hmm. and then baby animal videos. Yep, I've been in Exactly.
0: I. They just make you smile. You're like, you know, I'm having a shitty day, but you know what? That cat is having fun, and that's cute as hell. I don't want to think about politics.
1: I don't want to think about oh. sales. I don't want to, I'm going to watch these baby animals and see. But yes. once again, it's the it's the same thing. It's like life gets boiled down to the most simple thing. And
0: Yep, a cat jumping in a box who can't get out, never, ever not funny.
1: Yeah, I love that. But, you know, that's also, I'm, I've got cats here at the farm and a giant dog and all this stuff, and I kind of feel like that's, that's my life. Whenever I'm feeling really down or whatever, I just have to step outside and see what's happening out here. Yeah. Farm well, life.
0: Well, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure again thank to talk you. with you. Great to catch up with you at Thriller Fest. I think we'll be there okay. next year, so we'll catch up again, hopefully, gonna if you're going to be gonna there. Be
1: yep. there. Yep. Awesome. Do...
0: And, uh, yeah, so, so we'll chat again. And congratulations. And again, everybody, the book is called A Single Light, and it comes out September 17th. So when you listen to this show, the book will be out. You can buy The Line Between and A Single Light together in whatever format Mm -hmm. you want. It's available. So thank you again.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And no problem. You lost your co-host? What happened? I
0: did. I'm going to have to suspend him. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, Jeff? No. He had an issue, did and he's like, like, I can't do it. He texted me last night. I can't do it. Tell her I'm so sorry.
1: Oh. <laughs> and
0: I'm like, no, I'm not telling her nothing. You tell her. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Oh.
1: you're like, that's fine. I don't need you anyway.
0: Exactly. I'm like, well, I can do this
1: myself. You did myself. a great job. Oh, well, awesome. thank
0: you. Thank you so Thanks much for having asking. me. You have a great one. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.